Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Well, good morning and welcome to Hardline. I'm Brenda Olacy. Joe Beamer is enjoying some R&R, but we'll be, we'll be back next week on the show. And boy, we have a busy show today. Dwayne Whitmer, who is the New York 27 congressional candidate, will join me in just a moment. Whitmer is the libertarian candidate in the race, and the election is this Tuesday. So much to discuss with Duane. Later, State Senator Rob Ord, who represents the 62nd District, just became the minority leader in the Republican, uh, the, the uh, Republican minority leader. He'll be on right after the 1030 News. And our good friend Carol Calabrese, the political strategist, uh, and I will talk with Rob and the ever-changing political scene locally and uh, around the world. Uh, things are always changing and evolving in the world of politics, so we look forward to discussing the latest happenings. And thank you for joining me. I really appreciate it and look forward to your calls at 803-0930 and texts at that same number. Again, it's 716 803 Before we get rolling, happy Father's Day to all the dads out there and to all the father figures in our lives. And what a glorious day to have a Father's Day celebration. Great weather. It looks like it's going to get a little nasty over the next couple of days, but today certainly is a winter. And uh, next, we're going to go right to Dwayne Whitmer. Dwayne, good morning and welcome to Hardline. Good morning. How are you today? I'm doing well, thank you, and I hope you are too, and I appreciate you taking the time to join us. Now, Duane, um, we talked to some of your opponents uh, last week, Chris Jacobs, Stefan Mihailu, Beth Parlato, and, uh, and Nate McMurray, of course, who is the, Democrat, the presumed uh, Democrat candidate running against Chris Jacobs and the others, and a rather, rather unusual type of setup this Tuesday, uh, two elections in one. How have you prepared for the election? What, what do you tell people who are interested in your views as a libertarian? So what we've done is, um, because I'm a third party, I actually started campaigning like November 2018 after uh, Collins beat McMurray. Um, since, since Collins was indicted for insider trading, uh, I said something's going to change, something needs to change here. Uh, that doesn't represent NY27. I know personally that doesn't represent me. So I said uh, the two-party system where there's a one-party rule, you look at this district, it's been predominantly Republican, and we've had, what, two special elections in 10 years in this district. Uh, you look at the state of New York where it's one-party rule, the Dems control it. You've had Spitzer, Skelos, and uh, Schneiderman all get uh, sent away. Uh, one-party rule breeds corruption. And, and to be honest, the two-party rule isn't much better 
um, I decided that I wanted to start people uh, better to the two-party system. Um, you know, when you go when you go shopping, when you go out to eat, it's not just McDonald's and Burger King. This is America. We have a lot of choices, a lot of different options. Uh, when you go to a store to buy anything, there's more than two brands. Uh, and then when you go to vote, which is the most important time of your life, uh, usually more often than not, you have two options, and, and neither of them are really going to do much for you. So the last half I've been telling people that and saying, you know, it's time to provide a competitor. It's time to provide a free market politics where you have more voices being heard. Well, when it comes to that voice, Duane, how would you describe the, the views of a libertarian? What are some of your core principles? Perfect. No, so libertarians, we're, we're pro-gun. Uh, we are, are the most pro-gun party, as evidenced by um, our few victories in New York State. We were suing the pistol permit regime. Uh, we have a libertarian activist, uh, an attorney, has the first victory against the SAFE Act. Um, a guy that was, uh, I think, the first guy convicted under the SAFE Act, we got that reversed. Um, we're pro-legalization of uh, cannabis and ending the drug war. Uh, because that's some, one of the reasons why you're seeing some of these riots with overbearing regulations. We want smaller government. We're anti-war. Uh, we want to start getting rid of some of the federal government programs that don't really have a use other than either a jobs program or uh, providing the false sense of security to people. And at the end of the day, uh, we believe that an average individual can run his life better than the government. So we want to remove some regulations and restrictions that kind of hinder him from living his best life. Um, make it easier for him to open a business, get rid of some of these insane permitting laws where it makes it harder for low-income people to open a business, um, and kind of let them lead their own life, as long as they're not hurting other people or, or impacting other people's lives as negative. And so that's kind of what a libertarian believes in. I always thought of a libertarian as sort of that laissez-faire, hands-off. Uh, is that something where you feel like big government is just way too intrusive in people's lives? Well, it absolutely is, and, and what you have that happens is um, the, the most politicians, I can't say all, but most politicians that get elected, um, when they get the power, they get the money, they both use big government to grab control. They both use, a you know, never let a tragedy go to waste. They let a, a bad thing happen and then use it to grab power. So after, you know, 9-11, which was a, a massive tragedy, you had a lot of government spying programs come out. And now it's being used against our own people, which is a massive, massive violation of the Fourth Amendment. Um, now you have the coronavirus here in New York State, and you have you know Andrew Cuomo getting a massive, massive power grab where he gets executive power. Um, that is that is insanely terrifying. Actually, I'm one of the people uh, currently on a lawsuit against Andrew Cuomo for this power grab. Um, unfortunately, one of my Republican opponents voted to give Andrew Cuomo executive power, uh, and me and a handful of others are fighting this power grab because uh, you cannot put all the power in the hands of one person. Uh, that, is, that is a very slippery slope and a very terrifying situation to be in. Um, big government is, is deeply intrusive, and it's, it's, they don't have the answers. Uh, a bureaucrat in Albany... Uh, doesn't know how to live your life, you know, and you're seeing it with a lot of these government programs, especially um, I use the Department of Education on this. Uh, teachers are getting shafted all across the country, and especially in New York, because the federal government's passing laws, and they're, they're failing the teachers and resulting in high burnout rates. You got 
no children gets left behind, which is a failure. You got standardized testing, which is a failure. You got Common Core, which is a failure. All of these bureaucrats in, in Albany and D.C. Are, are passing rules and laws and regulations so they can pat themselves on their back and justify their paycheck. And it's devastating these teachers. It's giving them burnout. It's giving them, you know, uh, they're not allowed to do their job. I'm not a teacher. I'm an accountant. I'm not a teacher. So I, I don't want to be sitting here telling teachers how to do their job. If, if they're doing their job, they know how to teach these kids. Uh, they know what these kids need. They're with them every day. Um, we need to make it easier for them to do what they need to do. And that's just one of the examples of uh, big government kind of doing things to prove it needs to exist that, that devastates teachers or devastates people. So, Duane, on your website it says that as an accountant, uh, you specialize in working with the tax code, and you'd like to see it restructured to help oh, yeah. small businesses and the middle class. How would that work? Uh, what would you do if you were elected to Congress to make that happen? So my tax policy is actually, as an accountant, that's kind of my, um, you know, my, my, my Sistine Chapel. I have spent a lot of time. I, I started my business at 25, and, you know, this is – my life's been kind of the same. Um, I, I started my accounting practice at 25 years old, and a lot of my friends and family said I shouldn't do it because, you know, there's already, you know, H&R Blocks out there. These big companies are out there. I should wait until, you know, wait till longer. And kind of the same thing happened with my run. They said, well, you're going to run as a third party. There's other parties out there. And I said, well, you know, people deserve to have an, an alternative choice. So uh, my tax code does a few things. Number one, um, I don't think that Social Security income should be taxed anymore. I never understood why the threshold is $25,000 in a household or $35,000 in a household to have 50 or 85% of your Social Security income taxed. It should be no tax. Um, that's something that government used to, to try to you know, nickel and dime people. Uh, we should remove all tax on Social Security income. Uh, our seniors have done enough. Uh, they, they don't need more taxes. Um, Another thing is restructuring certain deductions and credits. I want to move the health insurance premiums deduction to an actual deduction for taxable income. I want to make child care independent a deduction to get taxable income. I want to remove the cap on student loan interest. Right now it's $2,500. I want to remove that. Um, that's going to really help low-income, middle-class families. Um, then on a corporate side, I actually want to restructure the tax code where it's a graduated income tax. Um, so smaller businesses actually would pay no tax on the first X dollars of, 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 of gross income. And the reason why I did that, I, I'm actually going to use an example. One of my friends, um, as I said, I'm an accountant, so I have a client that comes in every year, and their goal is to profit $100,000. And what they do is they use that $100,000 to pay themselves in the next year. Um, when it's all said and done, because of the tax rate, they, they profit $100,000, $21,000 goes to the federal government right off the top. If they had a 0% income tax on that, that $21,000 can be hiring a new employee, uh, at least part-time, providing better benefits, uh, better rent renting a better space, uh, doing a massive advertising campaign. Uh, that $21,000 is necessary for these small businesses and can be reinvested into local communities. Um, I know that a lot of people think that when you cut taxes on, on large corporations, they keep the money, they hoard the wealth. You know, Bernie Sanders' favorite thing to say is hoard the wealth. Um, I'm not really worried about them. I'm more worried about the, the millions of small businesses, especially now when um, you have, you know, 100,000 businesses shutting down in New York State because of the quarantine and the shutdown. Um, now is the time to really be focusing on them because small businesses are what make up small towns. Uh, they're what make up small communities. 
uh, as they start to die, you're going to see small towns die. We can't rely on massive corporations. We need people to start opening their own businesses and thriving. And and a federal level, I, we have to be doing as much as we can to kind of negate the negative effects of living in New York State, which is the highest tax state in the union. Um, Duane, uh, obviously there are a lot of smaller communities and rural rural areas in New York 27, which is a a vast swath of land, uh, and, and you have a couple of cities in Buffalo and Rochester, but what do you hear from folks when you campaign, or have you not gone door-to-door -door throughout this district? Door-to-door um, -door was tough because the shutdown, and so with the catch-22 of how long does it take to someone to get really mad that we're going door-to-door, -door? so we did a little bit of door-to-door -door last summer and into the fall, um, I hit up as many town festivals and fair, county fairs as I could. Um, actually, that it, it motivated my run more because a lot of the people I talked to, um, they were looking for something different. They are upset. They are angry. Um, you know, that, that's kind of how Trump won in 2016 is he was viewed as an outsider. He wasn't a politician, and he was viewed against running against uh, an establishment candidate in Hillary. Um, a lot of people turned out because they wanted something different. They wanted to send a message. They wanted that, uh, not so much wild card, but some, they wanted something different. They wanted something new. Uh, they were sick of politicians. And so it kind of motivated my run because I, I'm not a politician. This is my first foray into politics. Um, I kind of view myself as the anti-politician because I, I, I'm, not, I'm not friends with a lot of politicians. I don't know a lot of politicians. I've, I've been focusing on my life and my business really for the, you know, 32 years I've been alive. So um, do, talk to a lot of people, like I said, there's an underlying sense of anger and just disappointment. Uh, they feel let down with uh, a lot of elected officials. They don't understand why there's the division. Um, you know, they're kind of just burnt out and sick of what's going on in this country. You know, Dwayne, it strikes me, though, you mentioned that you started the campaign in 2018. It, it was before the pandemic. And I would think that it's a real uphill climb for a person who doesn't have the same name recognition as some of the other candidates in the race. Did you feel like maybe you dropped the ball a little bit about not campaigning more door-to-door -door early in the, uh, in the campaign cycle? No, because the issue was um, people will forget. If you meet someone in, you know, January 2019, the elections in November 2020, uh, there's a chance they'll forget, they'll lose the door hanger, they'll lose the pamphlet. So um, hindsight's always 2020. Uh, I was never expecting a, a, a shutdown that would not allow us to do a lot of campaigning and door knocking into the special here in, in June. So, no, I, I don't feel I dropped the ball. I, I don't think anyone predicted that there was going to be this level of, of shutdown or this level of, uh, uh, you know, societal uh, shutdown. So, no, I mean, it, it didn't help me that this, uh, this, this shutdown, this uh, pandemic didn't help me at all. Uh, but I have gotten a lot of media. I have gotten a lot of interactions that way. I, I have the Facebook page. Um, you know, I've been on, you know, news stations a lot. You know, things like this help out. They kind of help negate the impact of the shutdown. But, yeah, third parties, especially me, um, we, we run into a lot of issues. You know, financially, uh, I'm not worth $70 million. Uh, I, I come in, you know, just short at like $69.5 million short of that. So I don't have chances. Uh, we don't have, you know, the massive amounts of fundraising going on. We don't have party recognition. I don't have name recognition. Uh, we don't have the media contacts. So, 
yeah, running as a third party is always an uphill battle, but it, it's one I truly believe in. Um, I, I do believe people of NY27 deserve a better voice. I do believe that, you know, the country as a whole deserves uh, another option or at least at least another at least one other option. I mean, 100 million people didn't vote in 2016. Uh, there's a reason for that, whether they're burnt out, they've given up. Um, there, there deserves to be more than just two options. We talked uh, a bit about COVID-19. And uh, if you were advising the president and there is a second wave that occurs, would you recommend another nationwide lockdown to combat it? Or what would you do if you didn't feel like that was the right route? So Donald Trump is in a, is in a, is in a no-win situation right now um, because the solution to this COVID-19 crisis and any other pandemic that comes through, look, I, I'm 32 years old. I remember Ebola. I remember swine flu. I remember the, the bird flu. Um, they were all treated differently. But the biggest issue with COVID was these test kits weren't available. Um, what happens is uh, big companies, big pharma, they, they lobby and they buy politicians. They buy people in Congress where, where I'm running. Um, through lobbyists and through donations to pass laws under the facade of safety and security that really make it for harder for competitors to, to, to come to the market. Um, this whole thing could have been a lot easier if we had test kits. And, and one was actually uh, pending FDA approval for like 60 days, one that was approved in another country. Um, that's an issue. We need to start cutting regulations that are going to allow these test kits to get to the market so people can get tested. As far as recommending another lockdown, um, Donald Trump at one point stated that it's, it's a state issue and it's a county issue, and, and I truly believe in that. Um, you know, libertarians believe in decentralization. They believe in more like county rule because you know what's best for your county. I don't know what's best for any county in California or Wyoming. I don't live there. I live in Erie County. Um, my, my response is always it should be on a countywide basis uh, just strictly because those people know what's going on in their own county. They know the population density. They know the infection rate. Uh, asking Trump to monitor 50 states and all these counties um, really isn't something he should be doing. I, I do believe that it's a state and even county local issue because um, every county is different, especially in New York State. You have Erie County, which has Buffalo, and then you go an hour over and you got Wyoming County, which is, is very rural, had a, a, a much lower impact. So uh, shutting down these rural counties to, to benefit New York City isn't isn't going to help any problems. Dwayne, we've got about 90 seconds left, uh, but I do want to ask you about the uh, racial and civil unrest that's happening throughout the country. What's your view about uh, defunding the police and those who advocate for uh, education reform, mental health counseling, and so forth? Uh, instead of the current situation with many law enforcement agencies around the country right now as it is? Education reform is necessary, as is mental health, uh, help with mental health. The underlying mental health issues in this country are a problem, and we need to end the stigma around mental health counseling. If you seek mental health counseling, you shouldn't be ashamed, you shouldn't be embarrassed. Uh, the, the solution to this police issue is actually is quite simple, but uh, legislators have to admit why they use police. Um, we need to start cutting these... Um, victimless and, and unconstitutional laws that are adding up to more interactions with police. If you stop enforcing unconstitutional laws, you're going to have less run-ins with the police. You're going to have, or the police are going to have less run-ins with people. Um, legislators are using the police as revenue generators to, to fill their budget gaps. 
um, the police need to kind of take a stand and say, look, we're done enforcing laws with no victim. Uh, we want to go back to doing what we're supposed to do, and that's actually policing and actually solving crimes and, and trying to prevent crimes uh, such as murder, rape, assault, theft, um, you know, going after someone for, you know, the SAFE Act, for example, in New York State. Uh, it's an unconstitutional law that should not be enforced. Um, you know, if the police want to start standing with the Constitution, which is what they swore to uphold when they take their job, um, you're going to see a lot of these issues go away. Um, you know, the example real fast before we get cut off is the, uh, the 75-year-old last week that got pushed. That would have been prevented if police weren't put enforcing that constitutional curfew put in place by Mayor Byron Brown. That whole situation would never have happened. Uh, constitutional, uh, pardon me, curfews are unconstitutional. You have the right to peacefully assemble. If that uh, unconstitutional curfew wasn't in place, this situation never happened. So that's, a, in my opinion, a great example of, of, you know, starting to cut these unconstitutional laws, and um, that's the libertarian solution. Dwayne Whitmer, New York 27, libertarian candidate. Thank you so much for taking the time this morning, Dwayne. Best of luck to you, and stay safe on that campaign trail. Thank you so much for having me. It means a lot. Thank you. I, I truly mean You're it. You're welcome. Well, we have much more to come on Hardline. We're here right till noon, and we take your calls and texts at 803-0930. Coming up in just a few moments, State Senator Rob Ort, who has a new position. We'll talk with him right after this. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.